St. Mary the Protectress Ukrainian Orthodox Parish invites you to join them for church services Saturdays at 4 p.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. Stock up on homemade pierogies and pies and enjoy their monthly pierogi suppers. St. Mary's Ukrainian Orthodox Parish, 594 Carl's Way in Parksville. This is Pavlina, host of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Join me every Wednesday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. for news from Ukraine, great Ukrainian music, folklore, and factoids for the culturally curious. Here on CHLY 101.7 FM. Вітала тоді калина, де з тобою зустрічались ми. З ласками і сміхом шли години, час для мене зупинила ти. Калина, і мороз 
мочки закует И сумную подъеду калину Де кохання віднайшов своє Ron Kahoot and Buria with a song that was made popular in English by a young British singer by the name of Mary Hopkin back in the 1960s and uh, actually is originally a Ukrainian folk song. And so there you have Ron Kahoot with Buria doing the Ukrainian version and that was called To Buledni. Those were the days. Dobry den i vitaju vas vsih šanovni radio suhači na radio predaču naš holos radio krinskoho korinja. Je kao podjeti vam sihodni tako i kožni sredeze do nasjetoj do trenaču do hodene na kveli CHLY od den 0 od den CMFM umisti na najmo. Jako ju što rišile prebute s nama nastupnih dvog hoden me majmo duže si kavi novene nasjednišnih prožami. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo. I'm your host Pavina. Oksana will be joining us again. She's back from Chicago and uh, so she'll be taking over the mic in the second hour. Meanwhile, this hour you have me and uh, we've uh, got a great program lined up for you. Uh, Nash Holos uh, Ukrainian food flyer coming up with a recipe uh, about, it's a very seasonal recipe, about sauerkraut as well we have father theo machinsky of saint mary's saint michael's ukrainian catholic church here in nanaimo and uh, we'll be talking about saint philip's fast which is a uh, uh, which started yesterday and uh, is a preparation for the upcoming christmas season that's a little bit different from what everyone else is used to so stay tuned for that we'll find out about that as well we've got a book review and this is a review of two book novels that are spy thrillers written by a Vancouver novelist. So stay tuned for all of that as well. We've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is Oleksa Kerekesha, the head man for the group called Fata Morgana, originally from Ukraine and has been in the States for about the last 20 years or so. And here he is now, or here they are, with a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Oy Upoli Nevka, in the cornfield. Oh, 
And now, Ukrainian food flair with Natalia Buchok and a taste of Galician cuisine from 1929. Welcome to Ukrainian food flair on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Today, your chance to be your own Martha Stewart. Olha's recipe for kapusta, otherwise known as sauerkraut. Before frozen foods and the importation of foods from warmer climes became the norm, sauerkraut provided a source of nutrients during the winter. Because it is a source of vitamin C and thus prevents scurvy, that scourge of the British Navy, early explorers like Captain James Cook always took a store of sauerkraut on their voyages. And during World War I, because of concerns that American consumers would reject a product with a German name, American sauerkraut producers relabeled their product Liberty Cabbage for the duration of the war. And now, a very special treat. Olha's recipe for sauerkraut for winter. Start by steaming an oak barrel. First, of course, you have to try and find one. If an oak barrel isn't handy, you can also make do with a ceramic crock or maybe even a glass bowl. Select nice white heads of cabbage. Place a shredder on the barrel and shred the cabbage, throwing away the cores. Sprinkle layers of the shredded cabbage with salt. About three tablespoons of salt for every five pounds of cabbage. Layer in also chopped or shredded carrots, cumin, and small sour apples. You can have some added fun with this by using red cabbage along with the green so you'll end up with pink sauerkraut. Pack the cabbage very tight, tamping it down with a wooden pestle or similar object. Use your fist if all else fails. This helps force water out of the cabbage. When your barrel is full, cover with a dish or lid that is slightly smaller than the barrel opening. The brine should cover the lid. If the brine does not come up to the plate or if it evaporates during the fermentation process, you will have to add or replace it with salt water, a teaspoon of salt to every cup of water, well dissolved. Place a heavy stone on the lid and leave in the kitchen for a week. At the end of the week, remove the lid and stone and skim off the foam that has formed. Give the cabbage a good stir and then temp down again. Get it all your aggression. Go for it. Wash the lid and the stone and replace. In a few days, skim off the foam again. Cover with a clean cloth and replace the lid and stone, having washed them well. In 10 days, take the barrel into the cellar. In a few weeks, the sauerkraut will be ready. The cloth, the lid, and the stone have to be washed well every week throughout this process. Follow these steps, and you'll be your own Martha Stewart having your own sauerkraut. This is Natalia Buchok with Food Flare on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio asking you, is that wine in your barrel or just a good old-fashioned sauerkraut? Thank you, Natalka. Diakuyu. Join us again next week for Ukrainian Food Flare here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
Vyslúchajte radiopredáču Náš holos Radio Krínskoho Korínia na radiostancii CHLY a den 0.1 FM umístí na najmo. Hovorit Pavlina. You're listening to Náš holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host, Pavlina. That song you just heard was called Predite Poklonimsia. And that means bow down to Christ. And that was performed by a group from Ukraine. Um, and it was something I found on YouTube and thought it was just very apropos for today's program. And to introduce our guest today, Father Theo Machinsky of St. Michael's Ukrainian Catholic Parish. And we're going to be talking about something that um, for people who observe Christian, the original um, uh, uh, reason for the season of Christmas coming up, there is uh, something that I think a lot of Christians have lost touch with, and that is St. Philip's Fast. And uh, so Father Theo is going to tell us all about St. Philip's Fast and how we use it to prepare for the Christmas season. Father Theo, welcome, Vitaio. Thank you, Paulette. Always a pleasure to be here. So, um, St. Philip's Fast is something actually, um, I mean, I grew up in the Ukrainian Catholic Church and only <laughs> really found out about it, you know, very recently, relatively speaking, given my age. <laughs> and it is, uh, you were saying that it is something that it has been around for obviously since the beginning. So what is St. Philip's Fast? St. Philip's Fast, um, to put things into perspective, it's a preparation period of about 40 days where we slowly shift our gears from the hustle and bustle of society towards the Christmas-themed Christmas day itself, where we find the Holy Family in Bethlehem looking for a place to stay. So it's a shift from the material more to the spiritual. That's a nice break for those of us who live in modern-day society, of course, because there's just, you know, everybody just cringes at all the commercialism and buy, 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 Christmas giving, Christmas giving, and it, they, it's almost like it becomes stressful rather than joyful. It is. There's so much pressure put on the individual, uh, not only uh, for society, what to purchase, what sort of Christmas gifts to give, but you're almost forced into getting and buying so much that uh, the mentality needs to be changed a little bit to help prepare properly for what this season is all about. Yes, and even, you know, for for anybody, um, there are so many benefits in following this fast. It's, you know, not only spiritual, but physical benefits as well. Definitely, they all come, come into play. Yeah. Um, a lot of individuals are fasting for different reasons now, for health reasons, mm-hmm. but there's a strong spiritual tie as well. Mm-hmm. The more we get involved with the physical the less room there is for the spiritual in our lives. Uh, Christ handled it perfectly, handling both natures, Mm -hmm. the human and divine, together. But as humans, we tend to forget that there is a spiritual side, a divine reality within us, within our soul. And that needs to be properly taken care of as well. And this period of um, Polypioca, St. Philip's Fast, allows us to properly care for our souls as well during this time period. And sometimes they get lost. <laughs> they do, exactly. Yeah. So what would a person do then for to observe St. Philip's Fast? So first of all, it started yesterday, so it's it's a 40-day period. It is. Um, present day and age is a 40-day period called St. Philip's Fast because on the Monday is the Feast of St. Philip, the Apostle, and then the day after we call, we start the fast proper, so hence the name St. Philip's Fast. 
Before I um, ask you the specifics of observing the fast, tell us a little bit about St. Phil. Who, I, you know what, I have to admit, I'm really embarrassed to, to, um, to admit that I had to Google St. <laughs> Philip to find out, was he actually an apostle? You hear about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the evangelist, you know, of course, uh, Paul, who came later. Um, you, uh, you know the, like Peter, of course, who, you know, was the rock that the church was formed on, and a few others, but, St. Philip was kind of, and Thomas, the doubting Thomas, yeah. right? But Philip, who is Philip? Philip comes into to play within the scripture itself. Um, a friend of uh, Nathaniel becomes more of a early, early deacon within the early church. Um, I forget exactly where he was stationed once he took on his internship. But like the rest of the apostles, Work together, spreading the good news the best they can. So he was just kind of, you know, one of one of the twelve that went about doing Christ's bidding. Exactly. As before, during while he was here, and then after. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then, so he became um, prominent after the ascension and and when the in the Acts of the Apostles era, I guess. They do, and they're all sent out to different areas. Uh, to spread the news. So why was a fast named after him? Or was specifically in a India? A bit of a long story. The original pre-Christmas fast was only about three days. Oh. It was a very, very short duration. Uh-huh. And uh, things developed differently in the East and uh, the West as far as the fast itself. Uh, within the third century or so, eventually extended to a week process. Okay. Uh, during the time a lot of symbolism starts being brought out to these things. And because Lent was a 40-day, they thought it was more proper to have a 40-day period for Christmas as well. The Christmas and Easter become the two big moments mm-hmm. of celebration in the Christian church. So there was this notion of extending it to 40 days. And again, I forget the exact time period when this occurred, but by adding 40 days, it occurs basically the day after the Feast of St. Philip. Okay. So it was termed St. Philip's Fast because that was oh, prox- that 40-day period approximate. Proximity is, yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, right. With the Roman Catholics, Advent, originally, if I could stand corrected, uh, was called St. Martin's Fast because it started the day after the Feast of St. Martin. And they chose um, a four-week period as opposed to a six-week period. Again, just the way the two churches developed uh, this pre-Christmas uh, mm. season. Okay. So that's the rationale of calling it St. Philip's past. Really doesn't have anything to do with St. Philip. He didn't invent it or He didn't invent it. It just comes the day after his, okay. um, the celebration of his feast day. Okay, well, that's nice to know. And nice to know that, you know, there is another another saint that we can become acquainted with. Definitely. <laughs> Those of us who are, you know, starting or resuming our journey. <laughs> so then how would a person, what would you do during St. Philip's fast? During Lent before Easter, it's very, very strict. If you're going to be doing that, there's you're refraining from um, a lot of merrymaking and as well as rich food. There is. Uh, the Philippica or St. Philip's Fast isn't as strict as uh, the Lenten Fast. We still ask that you don't partake in um, parties, stuff like that. So it's more concentration, again, on the spiritual fasting. You're asked, if possible, to add an extra fast day, the Wednesday to keep that as well. Mm-hmm. It's just the tone isn't quite as heavy as Lent, but it follows pretty well the same uh, the, the same protocols, the same theme uh, preparation. Okay. No parties, 
to think more of others so we do more humanitarian efforts uh, helping those as fortunate amongst us uh, thinking more of others uh, rather than ourselves mm. so that's part of the theme of uh, this time period as well well it fits you know with Christmas theme which is how it's supposed to be originally does, yeah yes. so um, in this day and age people are working there are staff parties Christmas parties after Christmas parties how do, how Rather, you know, other than just refusing to go, which could be seen, well, it's beyond antisocial. It could be, you know, a career issue. You know, you kind of got to show yourself at these things. Is there something that you could do? Like, you don't have to advertise that because that's what, you know, Jesus said. Don't, um, you know, don't advertise to the world when you're fasting, right? Just, mm-hmm. you know, do it's a private thing. Do it uh, for for yourself as, you know, to further your relationship with God. How do you, do you have any like, pointers for people that have to attend Christmas parties during this time to kind of, to strike a balance? Uh, to strike a balance, uh, to choose what you're going to eat. Sometimes there is a, a meatless uh, selection available mm. that you can still partake of the fast a little bit. Um, if there's dancing and stuff, you just refrain from dancing. Uh, if there is a major party during this period, definitely get the permission of your pastor, if you're Ukrainian Catholic or Ukrainian Orthodox, to attend the function uh, with the reason giving. Again, if it's a major staff party where everyone is expected to be there, Sometimes you don't have uh, a choice. You're right. there, but you can downplay it a little bit. Yeah. So just practice restraint. Exactly. Privately, with you know, just be mindful about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the humanitarian um, things that you could do that you know don't involve food, <laughs> or perhaps do? <laughs> that don't involve food. Um, even in the the city here in Nanaimo, um, the different food kitchens that are available. Donate your time to help there, volunteer there. Um, Lowe's for fishes, volunteer yourself at that area. There are things that we can do. Um, a lot of organizations are looking for help, um, not-for-profit societies. Donate time. It, mm. Again, it doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be food. Donate your time to help out. Just be, but, yeah, just fellowship. Exactly. Yeah. So basically that same theme of thinking of others. And so this is a 40-day period uh, Mm -hmm. before Christmas, and he said that it ends on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day is when it technically ends. Um, Some people think uh, Christmas Eve because we have our traditional 12 dishes. But if you think of it, all those 12 dishes are still meatless meatless and dairyless. Right, yeah. So it's still a major fast. It's just developed into this large meal, a feast (laughs) of a fast. So Christmas Day, or actually past midnight of Christmas Eve is when the transition takes place. Right, yeah, I find it's, it's a very heavy meal with the, with the 12 dishes, but they're also delicious, meatless and dairyless as they are. They are, yeah. <laughs> One of them that um, is, it's a little bit, for me, it's a little bit different because I like cream in my borscht, but that is a major dish. Um, it's the second dish after the kutya, the wheat. And, there is, and yes. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a little I do like the cream in it and uh, it's so it's a little bit of um, reminder that this is still a fast time it is uh, and again eating uh, when the pierogies do come in again there's no sour no cream sour with the pierogies or so butter like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that fast is still brought in it's just over the centuries it's developed into this larger feast of a fast to make this transition and the 12 dishes 
stands for the Twelve Apostles. So a lot of the symbolism is brought in for the day itself. Mm-hmm. Now, and speaking of Borscht, just a little aside here, um, Borscht, we've got a Borscht Fest coming up again after, at the, well, still just at the end of the post-Christmas season. It is, just like last year. We tried our first uh, Borscht Fest um, this coming next year. We're, we're doing the same thing again. It's tentatively scheduled for Sunday, January the 29th. We're just getting uh, tickets slowly printed, and hopefully within a couple of weeks' time, we should have tickets available for that. Okay, well, looking forward to that. But um, back to the, the Christmas theme. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, it's going to still be in the Christmas season, because it for Ukrainians, Christmas starts on the 25th. Exactly. <laughs> it's totally against the culture yeah. of the time um Right after Halloween or Santa's before Halloween, we're seeing Christmas decorations and yeah. stuff in the stores already. And there's this big hype. The party is celebrating all the way up to Christmas. We have our Christmas Day, maybe Boxing Day, and then that's it. It's Christmas done. is over. Yeah. But for us, with this season of St. Philip's Fast or Polypica, we're actually fasting and preparing and holding off on that celebration until Christmas Day itself. That's when we're celebrating. That's the birthday. That's the birthday <laughs> That's a big day. <laughs> and then after that, we actually celebrate for a full 40 days afterwards. Well, and yeah. All the way until February 1st. Yeah. So, in, so in, you know, in gratitude for this wonderful gift. Exactly. And uh, there is lots of feasting going on those 40 days after. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of to maybe make up for some of the things we've given up, but more just to be thankful for yeah. Christ being born amongst us and that fellowship that we gathered. And by sharing our time with others before that, we've gained um, more friends along the way. To celebrate with after. Exactly. Yeah. It's really a nice thing, too, to have that for the 40 days after Christmas that you're still celebrating because, you know, in the secular world, January is such a blah time. It's the middle of winter. There's nothing going on. It's, you know, you've got bills. (laughs) Mm-hmm. For Christmas bills and and everything's so bleak, and then February is every bit as bleak because days are getting a, lot, a little bit longer. So you're looking forward to spring a little bit, but it's still two couple of really bleak months. So celebrating in January for the month because you've got Yoda Dawn in the middle of January, and then you've still got a little bit more. Uh, you've got the you know and then the wonderful blessing of the waters. So the- we do. That's all comes in, and uh, Yoda Dawn, the Feast of Theophany follows very closely with uh, the whole Christmas theme. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Eve, uh, after the traditional water blessing, the family gets together and still has this 12 meatless dishes. It's right. almost a complete replay of uh, the Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. Which is, it's great because I love that meal. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then at February 1st, you've, the Christmas season ends. Exactly. Yeah. Just before um, uh, the presentation of the Lord in the Temple, February 2nd. So that's the main transition uh, period that we have. Yeah. So we've got like 80 days, really. Pretty much. But yeah. Yeah. That we focus on Christmas. So it's kind of nice if the 40 days now, it's relief from the craziness of the world. And it's kind of, it's a little bit of a test, I guess, to, to remind yourself to not gorge at the Christmas parties with all this delicious food because it's not like there isn't more coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and they just, you know, kind of not whoop it up so much, but just stay focused on uh, you know spiritual matters and um, just it's it's so refreshing I find just to think just to think about it it's refreshing <laughs> it, it is definitely yeah and again just to shift that focus from the me which is so prevalent in today's society mm. to those around us that uh, need need our help and sometimes it's just a listening ear 
Yeah. Uh, people have no one to talk to. That goes a long ways as well. Yeah. And that's the whole message of Christmas, really, isn't it? It yeah. is making room for others. Yeah. Wow. Well, super. Well, um, it started yesterday, mm-hmm. so um, I'm going to really try my very hardest. <laughs> but I know that you give reminders every weekend. <laughs> I do. Uh, in the bulletins, kind of a list of two or three things that we can do during this time period yeah. to shift that focus from us to, to others. And then, of course, there are the you know your wonderful sermons that you give every Saturday and Sunday on the weekend and the beautiful church service that is you know, preparing us. And the, the, the Bible passages as well that you share and expound on in the sermons are nice ways to prepare or to rem- remind yourself that this is St. Philip's Fast. Mm-hmm. We're coming up to Christmas, and this is a better way to prepare than going shopping all the time. Definitely. <laughs> Super. Well, thank you so much, Father, for joining us to tell us about St. Philip's Fast and a little bit of more insight into Ukrainian Christmas and how Ukrainians traditionally have observed it. And uh, we'll see you in church on the weekend. <laughs> and uh, hopefully before then as well. So thank you once again. You're very welcome, Paulette. Thank you. We've been speaking with Father Theo Machinsky, pastor of St. Michael's Ukrainian Catholic Church here in Nanaimo about St. Philip's Fast and uh, some ideas about how to observe Christmas in a little bit of a different way than we're used to here in North America. Visukhaita Radio Peridachu Nasholos, Radio Krinsko Hokorinya, na Radio Stansi CHLY, Aden Nul, Aden Sim FM, Umisti Nanaimo. You're listening to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host, Pavlina. And further to the theme of St. Philip's, to, to kind of give an idea of some of the music out there that we might want to listen to in addition to the Christmas carols, um, this is. Uh, beautiful Ukrainian chant. It's very old. It's a Kievan chant and it was um, performed uh, is performed by a group of monks co- from the Univlavra, which is in western Ukraine, and it is an ode to the Virgin Mary, and Christmas time, of course, in the lead-up, she was pregnant with our Lord. So, here is a song now called Rejoice, Unwedded Bride, Raduisya Nevisto Nevisnaya. Радуйся, небі, 
Montreal, that was a girl group called Chetamshin, has been around a long, long time, and that song was from their CD, Postish Kakri, Along Paths of a Dream, and that was Oyupoli Dvadukia, An Oak Tree in the Field. And before them was Molodzi from Winnipeg, a group of young singers and musicians, and then their name actually surprisingly enough means young people. Molodzi and his song called Voroshka, the Gypsy. <laughs> Visukite Radio Peridachu Nash Holos Radio Krinsko Hokorinya, Naradio Stansi CHLY, Oden Nul, Oden Sim FM, Umisti Nanaimo, Hovorit Pavina. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo. I'm your host, Pavina. Welcome to Knishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik. Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we look at two books by Vancouver author Miroslav Patriu. Miroslav Patriu's Yaroslav's Treasure and the sequel, Yaroslav's Revenge, explore the current political and economic situation in Ukraine, as well as the history of a nation ravaged by invaders for hundreds of years. Perhaps the most remarkable aspect of these novels is the writer's extensive research and insight into Russian influence in Ukraine. The current crisis in Ukraine was no surprise to Petriu, since he predicted it in his two novels. In the prologue to Yaroslav's treasure, Batu Khan is attacking Kiev in 1240. In order to save the great library of Yaroslav the Wise, Ratibor, the leader of the Ukrainian warriors, seals it in an underground cave. It will stay hidden until 2003, when another Yaroslav, a Ukrainian-Canadian university student from Vancouver, discovers an ancient family treasure in Lviv. The treasure is a chronicle written over 750 years ago, detailing the location of the priceless lost library. Yarko's every move is watched by Russian agents, who want to recover the Great Library for their own political purposes. While all of this is going on, Yarko falls in love with Ksenia, whose brother Vlotko is a policeman helping Yarko to find the treasure. As the quest unfolds, Ukraine experiences political change during the controversial election of President Yushchenko and the Orange Revolution, which tries to overthrow Ukraine's sham independence, and staged democracy. Yaroslav's Revenge is the sequel to Yaroslav's Treasure. The political intrigue and non-stop action continue. It is now 2006, and Yarko is in Lviv working for Halimpex, the world's largest producer of glass Christmas tree ornaments. He acts as a courier for a clandestine organization fighting Russian influence in Ukraine. 
In the political sphere, Viktor Yanukovych has become the prime minister as the orange revolution slowly unravels. Yarko is determined to return the 11th century map of Vineland discovered in the great library of Yaroslav the Wise to Canada. Then his boss, Bogdan Dachko, is assassinated. Yarko gets involved in a complex web of intrigue which involves the KGB, the Mossad, nuclear weapons, Ukrainian government corruption, the Russian Black Sea Fleet, and drug smuggling. Historical figures such as President Yushchenko and his wife Katerina, Alexander Litvinenko, Vladimir Putin, and Stephen Harper appear alongside Petrio's fictional characters, making this highly suspenseful novel more realistic. Miroslav Petriu is a gifted storyteller who gives readers amazing insights into Ukrainian history and current events. He also provides a window into the reality of being a young Ukrainian-Canadian. As Yarko considers visiting Ukraine on his European vacation in Yaroslav's treasure, Petriu tells readers, Yarko was boiling over from all the subtle pressure a young Ukrainian feels all his life. Learn the language, sing the songs, read the books, find a Ukrainian girl, and so on. Miroslav Petriu is a retired engineer who has a passion for history. He was recognized for his work in the Ukrainian community with the Taras Shevchenko Medal in 2008. His first novel, Yaroslav's Treasure, was originally written in Ukrainian, and was awarded the Anna Pidruchny Award for New Writers in 2002. It was published in English in 2009. His second novel, Yaroslav's Revenge, was published in 2012. Each novel contains a series of very informative maps, as well as a comprehensive glossary of terms. The Orange Revolution and the events of the Maidan awakened many Ukrainians throughout the world to their history and the reality of Russian influence in Ukraine. Miroslav Petriu's two novels, Yaroslav's Treasure and Yaroslav's Revenge, should be required reading for everyone who wants to learn more about Ukrainian history and current events. These books are available at Amazon, Chapters, and Kuta Uma. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Here's what's happening this week in Central Vancouver Island's Ukrainian community. Father Chad Pavlishan and the parishioners of St. Mary's Ukrainian Orthodox Church in Parksville invite you to join them for services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. As well, every Sunday from noon to 1 p.m. you can stock up on homemade pierogies and pies. St. Mary's Ukrainian Orthodox Church is located in Parksville at 594 Carl's Way. For more information, visit them online at vanisleparochial.ca. Father Theo Machinsky and the parishioners of St. Michael's Ukrainian Catholic Church invite you to Divine Liturgy every Saturday at 11 a.m. and Sunday at 6 p.m. at St. Michael's Ukrainian Catholic Church, located at 4017 Victoria Avenue in Nanaimo, just off Norwell Drive. For rentals, pierogi sales, and more information, call 250-758-4714. 
The Vesna Ukrainian Dancers invite you to their Ukrainian Christmas Bazaar coming up Sunday, December 4th, 2016 from 11 a.m. till 3 p.m. at St. Michael's Ukrainian uh, Parish Hall, 4017 Victoria Avenue. You'll get all kinds of great Ukrainian food there, as well as homemade baking, jams, pickles, and relish, Ukrainian novelties, cabbage rolls by Sandy, and much more as well. There are raffle tickets, dozens of pierogies, and a concession where you can get a hot lunch of pierogies, borscht, smokies, and other delicious delights. Leanne is uh, still looking for volunteers to help out, so if you are a member of the Society and can spare some time, give her a call or email her or visit the uh, the um, Visna Ukrainian Dancers Facebook page and get in touch with her there. On Saturdays at 6 p.m., tune in to the Vancouver edition of Nosh Holos on AM 1320 or streaming online at am1320.com. As well, the international edition airs on AM, FM, and shortwave radio on the PCJ radio network. You can get the podcast at the Nosh Holos website. And here in Nanaimo, of course, Nosh Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio broadcasts live every Wednesday to the north and central Vancouver Island, Gulf Island, Sunshine Coast, northwest Washington State, and greater Vancouver listening areas. So at 11 a.m. every Wednesday to get the best in Ukrainian news, folklore, and music, here on CHLY 101.7 FM. Join Oksana and me on the radio dial and streaming online at chly.ca. In between broadcasts, make sure to follow Nash Holos and me and Oksana on Facebook and Twitter for audio archives, transcripts, podcast feeds, and more. Visit our website, www.nashholos.com. <music> Lake Polka Kings with the Happy Times Shotis. 
Цього дену була з вами Павліна. Нагадую, ви слухайте програму «Наш голос» радіо нашого коріння. Залишайтеся з нами наступну годину. Далі передаю мікрофоні Оксану. Оксані, запрошую послухати трохи про історію і традиції розповість Оксана. Але перед тим я хочу залишити вас такими словами мудростя. Не все старому другові можеш довірити. And our proverb of the week translates as one cannot always trust an old friend. And that brings us to the end of the first hour of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM. Please stay with us as Oksana takes over the microphone to host the next hour. And meanwhile, please join me here again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. And until then, do stay in touch with Oksana and me on Facebook and Twitter. Like our Facebook page and check out the Nash Holos website. That's www.nashholos.com. So stay tuned next for the Nasholus Ukrainian Hour with Oksana, followed by World Beat Canada with Vancouver's Cal Coat, and at 2 p.m. Jukebox Oldies with her own Bobby B. Cool. I'm Pavina. Thanks so much for listening. Dozusichi. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.